Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. G'day there, Stefan Postuma here with another Quick Sand Food podcast, and today I speak with Joe Fay from Glen Burnie Orchard and Darks Forest Cider. Glen Burnie Orchard is a generational farm that's farmed all sorts of different fruits, mainly apples, but lots of stone fruit and other things as well. And over the last few years, they've started their business in value adding and have begun making great Illawarra cider. They also make mead, they produce honey on the farm and apple cider vinegar. So it's a real success story of value adding around the Darks Forest region. They're a great Illawarra producer and I really enjoyed talking to Joe. So I hope that you enjoy this chat with Joe Fay from Glen Burnie Orchard, the Apple Shack and Darks Forest Cider. Glen Burnie began in 1939. Uh, my husband's grandfather brought his family here to have a nice safe place to bring up a family because it was the beginning of the Second World War and he didn't want to live in the city. He wanted a nice country place to have his family. And back in those days, it was very much a pioneering type of a area. And uh, they lived in a little house with a dirt floor, tin roof and walls made from the timber on the farm. And they had chickens, uh, they had a small backyard veggie garden, and they cut wood for a living. So they cut the timber off the farm and sold it as firewood in the local town of Helensburg, and then that expanded to selling it between Blakehurst and even down to Port Kembla. And once they'd cleared enough land, they grew potatoes. And potatoes are pretty hard work. So my father-in-law, who was a young lad at the time, said to his dad, why don't we grow fruit trees because I think it might be quite lucrative and you don't have to bend over to grow a fruit <laughs> tree or less less bending anyway than potatoes. So they gave that a crack and we've had our first commercial crop of uh, stone fruit and apples in 1952 and uh, began selling the apples from the farm and... Um, and that added to some of the things that they were already selling, like the potatoes and also the um, the eggs and also dressed chickens. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it then went on for many years and the farm's done pretty well. 
but in recent years, we're finding that um, there's less money to be made from your base product, from just straight apples and peaches. So we've found that we need to value add. So value adding can be done in a number of different ways and that gives us a little bit of surety that if one part of the farm isn't doing so well, something else will assist Mm. to um, to, to keep us going. Yeah, so can we just... For people, some people out there don't understand the concept of what value adding means for a farmer. Do you want to just okay. give us an explanation of what that means? Yeah, value, value adding is where you do something to your product and transform it into something else. So we start off with an apple and we might make it into apple juice. Now we've gone that another step further and we make apple cider. Mm-hmm. Um, we also found once we could make apple cider that we could actually make apple cider vinegar. Uh, so we also make dried apple. Um, so as many products as we can think of, we'll mm. try to make out of our, our our apples. Yeah, and it allows you to get it allows you to get the most, you know, the most the most out of out of your product and have that range. And, and it gives you a range. So of, many benefits. Yeah, it gives you a range of things that you can sell. Um, and benefits to customers. So along with having a number of different products is the opportunity to direct sell to people. Mm-hmm. So we can bring the customer to the farm. We've always had customers coming to the farm, but we've got more customers than ever coming now. And they can taste test everything. They can take things home with them. They can also get an experience on the farm. So they can pick an apple from a tree, for example. Um, they can have a tour of the farm so they can get to see the back the back end if you like of what we do so get a bit of a a a look into the day of a farmer what the the sorts of things that we need to do to produce fruit people are more interested now in how their their food is grown Mm. people want to know what happens to their fruit before it gets to them at home they want to know everything that they can about the inputs into that that food product that you're ultimately going to put in your mouth. Mm. You want to know what's in it. Um, so by coming to the farm, people can actually get a first-hand experience and they can ask questions, they can see what we do, um, and they can have confidence in our, our products. They can have confidence in us. Mm. Um, and it gives us a chance to see what the consumer are thinking and, um, and to find ways to satisfy needs and wants okay um so there's a, it's a so two-way it's a, street it's a bit of a feedback feedback loop where yeah. you can learn from people what they might want and and they can learn from you sort of what you have basically yeah and yeah. and it might give us clues as to the sorts of things that we might need to do in the future like another thing we're now looking at doing because of public pressure is having events on the farm so people are wanting to come here bring the kids have the kids run around and um uh, for example, we have Apple Pie Day coming up. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, every year we're having an annual apple pie cooking competition. So people can show off their um, their skills of cooking and celebrate some of the wonderful um, cooks that we have out there. We have yeah. some amazing stuff. People are so inventive. Um, we had a young lady last year that put an apple pie in our apple pie competition using popping candy. In, in the in the pie. Like, first we all went, what? But then when you taste it, you get these little explosions happening through the apple. It's quite amazing. So we've got some very inventive and clever people out there, and it's a fun way for it's, us to sort of celebrate with them what we all have as a community. Yeah. Um, it's really f- – it's just it's a fun day. It's definitely fun. And it's and – it's, and 
that the dynamic of that sort of interaction rather than you know just having a you know you can do a tour or you can buy apples but having something where people can bring something along that they've made and taste other people's pie creations and that sort of thing that builds a community and gets people really involved rather than you know you might just stop and buy a bag of apples but this is going that next step yeah i think it's really interesting and we love it we, we actually really love to meet our neighbors and friends and we think of people from wherever they come from as being new friends um our customers are not just customers. Mm-hmm. They're actually a bit more than that to us and they're our future, in fact. Yeah. So Do you find, um, as you were saying, you know, people, the public uh, are able to come and interact with you guys. Because you're close to Sydney, is there a lot of Sydney-siders, you know, people who are used to living in a metropolitan area that it's a bit of an eye-opener for them coming to a farm and seeing the actual you know intensity of the work all the facets to the business and all that sort of thing like i feel like there's a there are still a lot of people out there that aren't exposed to to you know the the, the hard work that goes into you know production yeah it's a, it's it's a shame these days people have got smaller backyards and in fact in a lot of cases no backyard so they don't have the opportunity to grow things themselves um, or they might not get exposed to farming through school because schools often don't have an opportunity to have agriculture or offer it as a, a subject. And so we find that people have a keen interest to find out you know, what actually happens there and how do I get um, experience and how do I get to have part of the action. Um, and even just running around with the dogs. Mm. Um, we have five dogs on the farm, so people are often quite surprised um, that they can pat the dog, they can talk to it. There's one here sitting on your lap yeah. at the moment. Uh, <laughs> people like to throw a stick for the dog, and the dog brings the stick back. <laughs> it's so simple, these, these simple things that we enjoy every day and we take for granted are things that sometimes coming from a built-up area where you're not allowed to have an animal um, is becomes very special yeah. for people coming here. And one dad I remember coming up to me saying, oh, it's so good that my kids can just come and they can run. I said, run. He says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can just run up and down as much as they like. And um, and it it's clean air. It, it just it has this really relaxing feel. And it's funny because... When we look at the farm as a family, often we don't we don't see that relaxing aspect. We see work everywhere I look. I see things to do. It's like oh, I've got to, you know, I need to um, mow mow that grass over there, or I need to weed that, or I need to um, fix the netting, or I, you know, there's always something yeah. um, that needs watering. So when I turn around, I don't see that beautiful. Well, sometimes I don't see that beautiful sort of sunlight coming through the trees and think, wow. And, and, and I guess as farmers, we need to take a bit, bit of a deep breath sometimes ourselves and appreciate just what we have. We're so lucky. Mm. Is, um, and so the, I guess the hub of your public interaction is the Apple Shack and that's, and that's your sort of little retail store there. Has that, like, when did that like start start running your you know where you can actually sell your product direct to the public yeah the, the apple shack started um from from the time that the farm 
or the whole time the family have been here, they've sold product from the house. Okay. The house then, uh, it had a, a veranda on the back and the veranda became the shop. Uh, and then it later moved to the area where it is now. And every 10 years or so, every 10 years or so, we, um, we, we, we've expanded on the shop and there's been an extra skillion put on, like a, an extra piece of roof. And then that's been mm-hmm. filled in and a little bit more is added on. So over the years, the shop has become bigger and bigger um, as we, we keep morphing and changing yeah, and adding cool. things that we're, we're doing. With the Apple Shack, it's grown over the years and we keep um, making the actual shop itself bigger, but also I'm now increasing the footprint of our storage areas. I've taken over one of the, well, the old uh, uh, cool room has now become, uh, rather than cool room space for our commercial crop, it's now become the cool room that I use for our Apple Shack shop. Um, yeah, so I'm just getting taking more and yeah. more space. And the well, you next need thing, it as your products increase as well. Eh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we need more places to store things. I'm taking over a lot of storage space within the farm. And um, with that also, now I've got people wanting to do events. So people are asking me about um, having things like 50th birthday parties or weddings. And so I have my eye on the main packing shed. I would really like to convert the packing shed into a... Yeah, a weddings event type space. of a event space. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. It, um, there's so much opportunity for use of that sort of thing. Like I could see it for sure a, a good wedding being hosted out there with a nice bit of bit of shed, bit of cover. Yeah, we have done it for family. Yeah, um, okay. and it is an amazing. It, it takes a lot of work um, setting things up, but it is really well worth it. Yeah. it. It you end up with something very special. Yeah, it's very different to the sort of thing that you'll get in a. A normal uh, function center. Mm-hmm. Um, function centers, centers are great, but this is just a different dimension. Yeah, different. Um, yeah, we 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 have done uh, bush dancers. I have a hoot watching other people have a hoot. So yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, let's talk about Dark's Forest cider. How long ago did you start making cider? Okay, Dark Cider. The journey for that began because our fourth generation um, in the family. So my kids and my husband's kids um they they were going through high school and discovering cider and they were young drivers and they said to us you know i think we could make cider out of our apples you know we make great apple juice why don't we make cider so hence the cider journey started we we didn't think that we could make cider out of the type of apples we grow um but we were wrong you can and so we developed our first cider. It took us a couple of years to develop the right flavour profile and, and, and the What the apples? Sort of taste. Do, do you use particular <clears throat> varieties or do you kind of use everything? Or uh, we've, got, we've got four or five that we use in Howler. Um, and it's things like Pink Lady, Granny Smith, Delicious, mm-hmm. uh, Royal Gala. We use what we've got um, and we make a blend um, that we like the flavour of. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then... Um, as time goes on, we're developing new things. So um, we've just planted 28 new varieties. Well, they're, not, they're new to us, but not new to the world of cider, but they're old-fashioned traditional cider varieties that are used in Europe. Uh, and they'll give some extra They're complexity. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I really like some of those dry, really dry sort of French style ciders. Yeah, and Australia yeah. is is maturing in terms of our understanding of cider, and 
our palates are maturing. So when you first start to drink cider as a young person, especially um, in your 20s, you'll be looking for things that are sweet. Um, But as your palate matures and you get older, you'll start looking for things that have more complexity, things that have, um, they're drier. Um, And some some of those styles of cider could even be higher in alcohol as well. Mm. So you change as you get older. And what we're doing is we're planting cider tree varieties that will take a number of years before they're ready to pick the fruit from as it takes several years before an apple tree is at full maturity and full production so it's a long-term process and a long-term commitment to planning what you're going to do into the future so we will have uh, the opportunity as our cider fans get older Mm -hmm. to grow they will grow with us as we're moving into being able to use these other styles of apple to make new styles of cider so rather than adding flavorings and things i mean at the moment australians um often to get a different type of cider you have to buy a flavored cider so it might have artificial flavoring yeah, of some sort raspberry strawberries i don't like raspberry <clears throat> in my cider i just want it to be apple please yeah so <laughs> but people don't understand also that 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 there are other ways so we're we're educating the palate of our own cider followers and we're educating the palate um, of, of the visitors that come here and hopefully we can grow the cider category. And yeah. cider is That's still... That's cool. I like that, um, I like that mm. you're doing that and moving in that direction because it's sort of interesting because cider... I remember when I was first started drinking I was in when I was 18. Maybe I was a bit younger than that, but I was 18. Um <laughs> Cider just used to be what old like old Brits used to drink at the pub and it's kind of yeah. like that old school thing and there yeah. wasn't any of these really sweet flavored ciders that are targeted towards a younger younger audience but it seems like in the last few years they've they've really really taken off with all sorts of you know different audiences but it's interesting because now you're talking about going back to the traditional ciders and the traditional methods of making them the traditional apple varieties used and It'll be like a sort of a, a relearning of of what that product is for a lot of people because having now been exposed to these sweet ciders, flavored ciders, and you know the craze that is, you know, popular cider now. Yeah, it'll be, be that, that's what people are accustomed to, and that's what people think cider is. But yeah, it'll be interesting when you have this different product and being like, this is what an original cider is. Yeah, and I mean, even this year, before we have those special cider varieties, we're also doing a method traditional uh, farmhouse type type style cider at the moment. We've been uh, fermenting some cider and then having it in 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 a um, like big the big oak barrels. Oh, okay. So it's aging in the oak barrels the way that they do in in France. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> so we'll have um, some farmhouse style coming later in the year, and we're going. We're, we've also got cider that has then gone from barrel into like champagne bottle. Yep. And these old style champagne bottles, it then it gets a, a quarter turn every so often. It's turned just gently by the winemaker and me if I'm um, able to. <laughs> and um, and we taste it as it's aging. Um, it gives it a, a chance to have a secondary ferment in the champagne bottle. Yeah, that's interesting. And then what you do, we can choose to either disgorge... They call it disgorging. Yeah. It's where you put your, your champagne bottle is on a slant and the yeast 
and all the little like lumpy bits if you like go to the 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 end of the the neck of the bottle and you actually dip that bottle into um liquid nitrogen and freeze that yucky bit it's like like a little plug if you like and it pops out the end and you back out a little bit more cider from a different bottle and put the cork in and um yeah, that's method champagne. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, interesting. So, it's a champagne process. It's a champagne process. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, that'd be another thing that that would be totally fascinating to people that are into their beverage. You know, to talk about how you're using these champagne methods for your ciders. Oh and, yeah, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's, cool. that's really pushing. Do you do you do you do that sort of thing because you want to keep yourself interested as much as you want to just make a new product? Bit of both. We we. I like oaked Chardonnays, yeah. so I'm a bit of a tragic like that. So I figured <laughs> that that the uh, cider would look, would taste really nice oaked. So that was where I was coming from um, myself. I was interested in doing it because I thought it just tastes good. Um, but yeah, the family it, it sort of ignites the family and gives them something exciting to look forward to and have a crack at something yeah. a bit different. And we think also that our customers will like it. Um, and it's a real celebratory sort of a thing. So it's something to share. Like our normal ciders in 330ml bottles are more of a drink-by-yourself type yeah. of a product. But the 750ml uh, method traditional cider is something you definitely have to share yeah, with others. Yeah, and put it in a flute and yeah, share around. Yeah, yeah. Love and it. my friends are very much into, you know, having some champagne you know, before dinner and or, or having it with dinner on special occasions, and why not have cider that way? Because cider is awesome. So, yeah, I just figured yeah. maybe that'd be a great way to go. It is. I, I guess along with that, um, because we've learnt how to make cider, we've been doing apple cider vinegar, um, and that's been a bit of a craze as well. Product, it's yeah. another fantastic. Um, product and really good for your health. So, so what's it for people who don't know? What like what's the process of making apple cider vinegar? How does it? How do you? Yeah, how do you turn it? Yeah, well, apple cider vinegar is basically a double ferment. So the first ferment is making cider. Mm. Then the secondary ferment is with a bacteria, um, and it's an Acetobacter bacteria. So you can get a, a natural Acetobacter bacteria just out of the air. Mm-hmm. And you can have nice tasting ones. You can have really filthy, ugly tasting ones. <laughs> we have managed to actually capture a wild Acetobacter bacteria that is really yummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're just you. You concede your future uh, batches with your existing batch. So you keep the mother, which is the um, the Acetobacter culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you put some of that. In your next batch of cider that you want to make into vinegar and off she goes yeah. um, and we'll keep that alive in the family because we've got such a nice one we'll just keep keep using the same mm. culture so yeah we're just we're very lucky um, to take a few goes cool. um, I, I, it's so cool to just think of the sort of when you when you get something like your cider or your apple cider vinegar the lineage of the product from being grown on a tree that's been here for generations to you know being a fruit that that's picked on site and then taken and pressed and 
then turned into cider which you sell and then added a bacteria that you probably captured from the landscape around here and then turned it into this apple cider vinegar and it's all it's it it really sort of like tells the story of what what happens here at Glen Burnie like there's there's yeah. so much going on it's great yeah uh, and our kids are very proud of what we've been doing and and going on from this this thought that they they first discovered cider and pressed us to make cider pardon the pun oh uh, yeah haha <laughs> uh, they then said hang on a minute we're pee drivers we need a non-alcoholic version yep. so that we can go out to parties. We want to feel just as cool as everybody else, but we want to have a non-alcoholic option um, so that we can stay safe, so that we can drive safely later on, you know, be the designated driver, no problem, um, and just have a, an alternative to alcohol. Yeah. Um, and they also said, look, and by the way, not just for drivers, but there are other people out there who can't have alcohol. Yeah. Um, and we've now discovered and, and should have thought about those many different groups of people who can't drink because they're on some sort of medication, they might be pregnant. We've got a real following of people who just choose not to drink alcohol at all. Yeah. Um, so we had a crack at doing that and our little blue was born our son actually came up with the names for both of the ciders, by the way. Um, we had a lot of other names other than Howler and Little Blue. Um, when Howler um, began, uh, the night before the round table with the family, uh, there had been an intruder on the farm and our, our dog uh, at the time tried to warn us that uh, there were people and was howling and, yeah, making a lot of racket and here's me out there going shut up anyway um should have listened to her uh because that night a quad bike and a little tipper trailer belonging to my then 82 year old father-in-law uh was stolen and uh she was trying to warn us mm. anyway so we'd been sitting down at this round table discussion the following day looking at all of our designs for our cider and our son just very dryly said why don't we name it after our little guardian angel? Mm. And we all turned around and went, what? And he said, we should name it Howler in her honour. And we all went, oh, that's a good idea. It's a great idea. Um, but um, we didn't think that it was available. We, we went looking at the IP, so your intellectual property in Australia. And funnily enough, Howler was available. So we snapped that up and called the cider Howler. Mm. Uh, and then similar thing happened when we were devising our uh, non-alcoholic cider. Had a bunch of different names and colours and stuff all, all picked out, sitting around the table, and our son comes out with, I know that this is going to sound a little bit funny, but can we call it Little Blue after our gorgeous young dog who's trying to become a howler, but not quite there yet. <laughs> um, and again, looked up the name. Sure enough, that was actually available. So we snapped that one up. So it was like divine provenance, if you like. Yeah. And um, hence, Little Blue and, and Howler were born. Cool. Uh, we've got some other products still coming. We, we're not st we haven't stopped inventing. 
Um, we've got some honey products coming. Yeah, you've got honey, coming. you've got mead. Yeah, we've got the mead, and now we're going for a lighter style mead, which will be carbonated, ah. uh, which we're hoping to also um, unveil in coming months. So, uh, yeah, watch this space Stay for tuned. that one. Yeah, yeah cool. it's going to be exciting. Um, I just want to finally end on talking about the region that we're in. So the book is the Illawarra Cookbook, and... It seems to me that there's been over the last few years just such a such a swell of interest in food in in places like yours doing new and interesting things value adding having the community engaged new restaurants opening people you know supporting local producers whether it be at a farmers markets or farm gates or you know and then also interaction with produce and food through social media have you seen the Illawarra as a region sort of develop and change since you've been doing your thing here at Glenburnie? Illawarra is certainly coming of age, I think, in terms of food and the gastronomical delights <laughs> of the area. Uh, we we tend, I think, to focus in years gone past on being a coal-producing area, yep. a mining area, and now I think we've realised that we're so much more and... We're discovering that we have some of the best uh, milk and milk products, for example, in the South Coast. We have these beautiful farming spaces, mm. and we're now celebrating those. Um, here, we've always, uh, in, in Darks Forest, people have always grown things, and there were more farmers growing uh, fruit and vegetables. Uh, unfortunately, we're the last ones left doing fruit, but there's been a resurgence of that idea on farming and some of our neighbours have taken up things like um, sheep, which is not a traditional Mm. sort of thing to do in Darks Forest, but we do have three neighbours that are growing sheep that are for meat as well as for their their wool. And even things like uh, goats. And uh, that's that's a, a bit of a depart from... Uh, the traditional, um, but it's it's discovering our future, I guess. Mm. So it's nice to see people having a crack at those types of things. Um, we've got a lot of people that are taking up beekeeping in the area. So, um, yeah, I think we've got a lot of scope to expand what we do. Uh, there are people uh, close to Wollongong who are now growing or begun to grow in the last couple of years berries. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got, I know people who are putting in chicken caravans and, uh, and, and having their own chickens. Yeah, there's a, sort of there's an exciting um, young guy, when I say young, he's, he would be in his probably early 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, young for who, a farmer. Young for a farmer uh, <laughs> who's just uh, started. He's got, his kids hopefully will take on some of what he's doing, growing pigs uh, and a, a mix of, of animals um, and doing them organically. Um, and then selling the products locally. I think the shift is more about having small and selling local rather than having, in this area, large, um, yeah, large intensive production. Yeah. It's more about small and, you know, selling them to local outlets. Yeah. And I really like that because it's it's low food miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that fits with the the feeling of the people that live here. Um, 
we're a little different to some of the larger um, production areas that yeah, feed the globe. They they have large tracts of land where they can produce more than what the local people can consume, um, and that's fine. Um, I think each area should be looking at what it can do best, and uh, well, and doing thing, that. The cool the cool thing about the Illawarra is that you've got the sort of sea level plain and then you've got the escarpment and the top of the escarpment like here and there's such a diversity of microclimates in the region that allow for the production of such a a different range of products you know you wouldn't be growing apples down next to the beach like some people are growing veggies for example and 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 that's such a cool opportunity that just that the landscape of the Illawarra provides yeah and even some of the things that we do um Locally in in the Illawarra, we can we're growing some pretty amazing things even from the sea. Like the the uh, abalone farmers, for example, yeah. we have locally, um, and how those products can be matched together, even in a meal or uh, as an incredibly diverse experience. Mm. Um, we're not very far away from each other. Um, and, and so you can can do some interesting stuff. There's even a guy in our, our area that is growing alpacas and mm. uh, you can eat the alpaca yeah, meat. Yeah, you see it on the menu at a few places. Oh, wow. Town. There's some great stuff. So we're, I think we're also a little bit in the Illawarra where uh, we're inventive. We're not frightened of trying new things and mm-hmm. giving different stuff a bit of a crack. Yeah. Um, that's we're not frightened of yeah doing something that's a little bit out of the box yeah if you like yeah which is exciting yeah it's good Good future ahead for food in the Illawarra yeah Yeah. and and I think also the the farmers the different types of farmers that we have don't mind sharing and working together yeah that's something that I've definitely noticed as well yeah and I, I think there's a great willingness to work together yeah I think there's a great um Oh, yeah, it's community it? spirit amongst the farmers and stuff and places like the Kayama Farmers Markets are such a hub of that where you can collaborate and and people have an understanding that what's good for their neighbour is good for them. You, you know, it's not so much a competitive dynamic, it's it's a, it's 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 one of community. Yeah. Is, yeah. And there's a great willingness to support one another and to support farming full stop. Yep. And uh, that gives us great hope that our future is quite bright um and yeah i just feel that there's a huge opportunity for us um going forwards and um it's a great place mm. to be yeah it's a really great place possibilities to be. are endless um we'll leave it there i think that's Hello. it that's all you have to say thanks for talking to me that's all right no thanks. worries you're welcome I hope you enjoyed my chat with Joe Fay from Glen Burnie Orchard, The Apple Shack and Dark's Forest Cider. If you want to find out more about what they do, you can visit their website. It's appleshack.com.au or you can visit them at darks, D-A-R-K-E-S.com.au as well to check out the cider. If you want to find out more about Quicksand Food, what we do, you can visit us at quicksandfood.com or you can find us at Quicksand Food on Facebook and on Instagram. Please get out there, support the Illawarra Cookbook. It's available on our website and through all good Illawarra retailers. Thank you for listening to another Quicksand Food podcast and we'll catch you again with the next episode. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.